I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to gabba gabba. Hey! Did you send me one? I sent you one. I think it was better. Now, we, we'll, we'll record all this. We don't need to cut this out. I'm just going to – you set me up. We never do it the other way. You set me up. Okay. I'm Aaron Armstrong. Okay. And- <laughs> I'm Pete Moran. <laughs> and we love to watch. We love to watch a bunch of similarly dressed ruffians telling us they're going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good. good. Um, but I had one in my notes and – Autopilot, baby. Yeah, baby. So, so yeah, we are. Uh, we're <laughs> shit. Jesus Christ! It's been two weeks, not nine it's been, years. It's been two like, weeks. What? It's been one week to everyone else. <laughs> um, well, we were just talking about uh, having kids for the last half hour. Um, so uh, us two specifically. Yeah, us two. We're gonna try to adopt. We're gonna name the baby we love to watch. It's a marketing gimmick. We'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> you know, what's what's the worst that could happen if we decide we don't want the kid? Um, well, we would sell it to the Swatch Corporation. It would be we love to swatch. Well, I think we just get a swatch under those circumstances. <laughs> like, if we're gonna use a swatch for branding, why are we getting this kid? It's true. You know what? Why don't we just sell the kid right off the bat? to higher corporate interests and not even have a kid on our own. Yeah, like, I was going to make a joke that you could just, like, people are losing kids left and right these days, but that's a very sad joke. (laughs) (laughs) It's bumming me out. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully when you hear this, that will be like, what was that again? Oh, yeah, that was solved and everything worked out fine. Um, But probably not ever. It's the sort of joke where the best response is for me to pull out a trumpet and play taps. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm going to mix another stronger drink uh, for the next <laughs> next part of the podcast. But we are, if you have never heard us before, we are We Love to Watch. We are a movie podcast. We pick a theme every month, and then we pick three to four to five movies to discuss regarding that theme. And if we remember, we try to compare and contrast. Uh, this month is as voted by you, Joe Dante Summer. We're in our third week. We previously did The Burbs. We did Matinee. <laughs> we did no other things. We did no other things. Uh, but we're doing one now. We're doing Rock and Roll or Rock and Roll. High school. Rock and, rock and Roll. Rock and Roll. Rock and Roll. Rock and Roll. We do that at the end of the podcast. It will be natural, not affected. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So... This, now, this was a little bit hotly debated as a choice for Joe Dante Summer. So let me give you both the reason why we think it merits inclusion and two, the real reason why it's here. <laughs> so why it merits inclusion is that uh, Alan R. Cush uh, directed this movie. 
Yeah. Uh, he also was uh, the co-director, literally credited co-director, with Joe Dante on um, on his first movie, uh, Hollywood Boulevard, which is uh, considered more clearly a Joe Dante movie. Joe Dante was uh, was came up with the story. He was a producer on this movie, and he directed some of it. Uh, there's stuff where it's just like a day he picked up or one scene. There's also some stuff that I have read and seen where actually he directed a considerable amount. It was more influential because really this was like he had the idea for this. He wanted to do like a rock and roll movies, like a 50s high school rock and roll movie, but set in the 70s. And they, they went through a lot of different bands. And we can talk about that a little later. This really was his baby, and he had a lot of stuff he wanted to add to it. So when Alan, his friend, was sick for a while, he directed a lot of it. Now, I love this movie. This is easily one of my favorite Dante movies. It's 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 just a fun, amazing movie. I love it to pieces. We're going to talk about that more. But it really is like has the same archaic uh, – not archaic, Antarctic and – Antarctic? Yeah, Ant- Antarctic. Antarctic. Of or with anarchy <laughs> um, style that we talked about with previous Joe Dante. Like, it really is there. This feels like a Joe Dante movie. So, if you watch Rock and Roll High School, do you think it is more like the person who made Gremlins 2? Or do you think it more resembles the style of the person who made Caddyshack 2? Because that is where Alan Arkish went on to direct. Uh, after this, he directed a movie called Heartbeeps, Get Crazy, Caddyshack 2... And then a few made-for-TV movies and, like, The Temptations and Shake, Shake uh, Elvis Meets Nixon. I, I'm just saying, if you watch this movie, like, who does it represent more? So th- I really do think that this represents a Joe Dante movie. Again, he he was the incubator for the idea and was involved every step of the way. So I am more than fine calling it a Joe Dante movie. Uh, the other reason that I really wanted to do it this month is much more practical. It had been on my list forever to do for Musical May, and as happens sometimes when you're going and creating the list, it just was out of my head, and we ended up picking a different movie, which I'm glad we did. It was The Lure. I was so happy to talk about that. But then about a week after we finished up Musical May, I was like, oh, fuck. We were supposed to do Rock and Roll High School. Hopefully, we can just sneak it into Joe Dante Month. So those are the two reasons why it's here. I really do think it's a Joe Dante movie. I consider it one. But also, I fucking love this movie, and I really just wanted to talk about it. And Peter, you'd never seen it before, not even once. I've never even I've never even seen a high school that they that played rock and roll before. What about one that has an N instead of an end? You ever go like Peter Fra- mm, Paul yeah. High School? Yeah, Franklin and Roosevelt High School. <laughs> The odds-on favorite for a high school with an N in the title is a cool school that is named after everyone's favorite treat, PB&J. PB&J. PB&J Secondary Education. Yeah. Make them say, mmm, PB&J. Oh, that's my favorite master mm song. <laughs> Make them say, mmm. <laughs> it's like a it's like a weird out that only did a parody on that one masterpiece on. <laughs> but it was 1996. Yep. The scene so, is set. Uh, today we will be doing rock mm, roll high school. Rock mm, roll high school. It's like Gremlins 2 mm, new batch. 
New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it's a Pete and Aaron episode. As if we had to announce it. Uh, but yeah, you had, you had never <laughs> seen it. By the fact I, that I, you haven't heard anyone uh, loudly storm out and slam the door. Well, maybe we edited it out. So we're just letting people know that no one left in a huff because we, once again, couldn't get to the point. So why even start in that conspiracy theory? It's not true. It's talk, not true. Talk to me after the podcast for the real story on Aaron and Pete. Aaron, where'd you go? Oh, nothing. Just talking to the listeners with really good hearing. Uh, eagle-eared <laughs> listeners. As we I can't wait to hear the final episode where I'll get to hear that. No, I'm going to do it in that frequency that you can't hear. Mm. Remember all that testing I did on decibels for you? <laughs> oh, there was an ulterior motive, my friend. So I can put secret messages. Uh, everyone but you can hear. I and thought, I assume your family members. I don't know if it's genetic. I thought that you were sending me your favorite types of sandwiches and that so no one could hear, lest they use it against you. Let, let's walk that through. How would me testing your ear decibel volume and what you could hear equate to me sending you sandwiches in the mail? Sandwiches like, no, look, can just often explain be the joke. Verbalized. Like, sandwiches you, can often be verbalized. You could say a Reuben. The, yeah. the, the, the concept of the joke is that you would say a Reuben at a decibel level that oh. only I could hear, but many other people could not. So Got people it. could not say, hey, Aaron, what's your favorite sandwich? And then you would say... Uh, fuck, uh, a sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit from McDonald's? Is that a sandwich? <laughs> Could you come up with a shorter answer if I asked you your favorite kid? Uh, Maya? I've had her the longest. <laughs> Elliot's coming up, like, pretty wow. strong. Yeah. But seniority on the babies, I guess. Seniority, like, I've known one for four years and one for four months. Like, the second one's growing on me. Uh, <laughs> Although, like, in Elliot, fairness, I'm going to become a Twitch streamer. I'm sorry. We're going to have to make cutbacks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Peter, uh, you, uh, Peter Moran, mm-hmm. do solemnly swear to tell the whole truth. This is all admissible in the court of Aaron's uh, audio recordings that he listens to for, I don't know, bedtime. Listen. Hey. There's not. Oh, you got a game. Yeah. Your game is on the game. computer. So, <laughs> the Let's game go is play. called Versus. It's a very simple game. It's called Versus. And I need you to, I need you to okay. tell me whether or not you like one thing or another more. Okay. Like the um, popular meme circulating on Facebook? Um, <laughs> yes. I need, okay. you to, I need you to make a hard decision. Okay. Oh, all my decisions are hard. You're not allowed to. Because of my dick. <laughs> It's a little episode of Richard Talk for the fans. <laughs> really, it's a really little episode. <laughs> <laughs> Micro episode. Yeah, um, it's an episode that's gonna shower with uh, an empty locker room. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna rank. I'm gonna rank one thing against another, and you just Count. say which one's gonna win, and then it will, that one will go on to the next round. Okay. Rock and roll versus Uve Bowl. Uh, rock and roll versus Uwe Boll? Yeah, the guy who directed like Alone in the Dark and House of the oh, Dead and Blood it's Rain. Not, it's not pronounced U Boll. Sure, it still rhymes. Okay, fine. I'll go. I'll go. Rock and roll. <laughs> All right, rock and roll wins. I would rock prefer and roll just rock. Gary Cole. Uh, rock and roll. Rock and roll versus Clotrimazole, a popular antifungal that you put on your feet after a, f- a foot fungus. Look. 
I, I haven't had a foot fungus that I'm aware of, but... Do your feet constantly itch and peel? No, but you know what? You know it's not going to cure it if I did, Peter? Hmm. Rock and roll. It might be so here to stay. Go- it might be here to stay, but so would that foot fungus if I didn't get some of this clostrol or whatever the fuck he <laughs> just said. Clotrimazole. Okay. Clotrimazole. All right. Clotrimazole moves on to the next round. I just want you to have to say it more often. <laughs> Wait, what? Well, you have to say it each time if it stays, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Clotrimazole uh, versus uh, cute butthole. Oh man, um, cute is like if it was like a hot butthole, maybe. But mm. cute is like you know a lot of things are cute. I don't, know if I, give, I don't know if I let my feet go all fungusy just to look at a cute butthole for a little bit. Um, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. You know what? I'm gonna go cute butthole. Okay. Cute but whole moves on to the next round. Cute but whole versus a uh, cool hair comb. A cool hair comb. Cool hair comb. Like a yeah. comb. Yeah, it's for a your hair. hair. For your, it's a it's a comb for your hair, but it's cool. Cool hair comb. Let me rock and roll. Cool it, hair. It's comb. cool. Is it cool? Well, we're done with rock and roll. Why are you saying rock? Uh, and yeah, Clatramazole. Cool nope. hair comb. Cute butthole. Jesus Christ! Keep track of your game. You just went and listed sorry. everything all over again. I had to pick. I had to pick from the beginning. We did round one all over again. Um, so, let me, I, just, I just need clarification, judges. Is the cool referencing to how awesome it makes you look, or does it go in the freezer first? Thank you for asking. Uh, it 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 not only it makes you look really that, cool, like, but it gel. actually has specific uh, nuclear reactive properties, and it needs to be cooled in a freezer before you use it. So. Well, nuclear power is safer than most of the power we have, even though this, the public doesn't like it. So I'm going to go for the cool hair comb. Cool hair comb moves on to the next round. Cool hair comb versus zone of bone. Oh, definitely the zone of bone. Zone of bone moves on to the next round. <laughs> zone of bone versus bowel control. It, it, this is going to get into Zane and Kane, I have a feeling, by the end. But, <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> what, what was that one? Zone of bone versus bowel control. I mean,. At the end of the day, I'm not going to be using my zone of bone if I don't have my bowel control. <laughs> so, <laughs> unless, I mean, unless the person you're with has very specific interests. Yeah, but I mean, you'd have to ask around a ton for that. That's true. Like, just to let you know, because hold on, if they want me to shit on or around them, perfectly okay. Mm-hmm. Everyone's out of their fetish, be safe. Mm-hmm. Feces can be very filled with germs. But if I don't have bowel control, I'm not going to necessarily be able to please them at all because I don't know when it's going to happen. <laughs> Maybe I'm having sex with the person who wants me to poop on them and it doesn't happen. And then next week, I'm having sex with another person and I shit all over the place. <laughs> like I've ruined two relationships in a week. Which would be... One from too much poop, one from not enough. <laughs> Um, so are you saying bowel control wins? I'm saying bowel control, yeah. <laughs> bowel control wins. Bowel control versus soccer goal. Soccer goal. Soccer goal. Oh, soccer goal. Uh, I'll go bowel control still. Well, hold on. <laughs> You'll go bowel control still? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> bowel control versus soccer goal. A cool guy named Cole <laughs> plays soccer. Ooh, one of my brother-in-law's name. Well, I think my only brother-in-law. Yeah, my only brother-in-law's name... No, no, one of my brothers. I have two brother-in-laws. Uh, <laughs> no yeah, one blames you for not being able to keep track. He's named Cole, 
And I'll tell you what, I'm only kind of a fan. So, <laughs> Bowel Control. Bowel Control. Bowel Control versus Revolution. What? What part of watching rock and roll high school made you think, I got a game for this? Slapped <laughs> <laughs> it. Uh, uh, revolution. Yeah, because you can have bow control and actually use it as a jetpack during the revolution. Yeah. Look, um, revolution. If, if your country's crumbling around you, sometimes you might just have to shit where you're not expecting it. So. Yeah. Um, revolution versus baguette, baguette roll. These are just, like, exhausting at this point. Uh, I'm going to go Revolution. <laughs> Revolution versus Bottle Skull. <laughs> what the fuck is Skull? Oh, you know Chewing what Chewing tobacco? Is? It's like I, the... I've never, I've never chewed. Is that what it is? They do have a... They do have a... Um... A chewing tobacco called it, but it's a amazingly cheap vodka that I thought was prevalent in the Midwest. Oh, not, I guess I, I've never gone that cheap. Uh, Phillips. It's pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, what, 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 revolution. <laughs> revolution. It, do you have, like, a, at some point in the last couple weeks where you, like, did your, did your fiance come in and go, hey, are you working? Because I, you've been at that Excel document for quite a long time. <laughs> You're like, almost yeah, ba- yeah, basically. We're almost basically at the end. Working. Yeah, okay. So, at any point in this, one time you can elect to face rock and roll versus your current option. Great. Okay. So, uh, Revolution versus Rock and Roll. Well, I didn't elect it, though. Okay. You, we'll you elected it. Uh, Revolution versus uh, Battle of Bulge. <laughs> These all sort of rhymed with Rock and Roll, but not at all with each other. <laughs> I, I feel you, you can tell you did this in chronological order. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got later, you started to think, uh, uh, battle, who won Battle of the Bulge? I don't even remember. Those are the good guys. I'll go Battle of the Bulge. Yeah, guys. Battle of Battle of Bulge versus Mining Coal. Uh, well, Coal's dead, and we just need to accept it. So, Battle of Bulge. Battle of Bulge versus Body and Soul. Uh, who's <laughs> the Tapau song? <laughs> That's Heart and Soul. Thank you for answering. Uh, body and Soul would mean that you get to possess one person for one year. Body and Soul. Oh, definitely that. Cool. Body of Soul versus Bananas, comma, Dull. <laughs> well, potassium is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to do, do Bananas Dole. Okay, cool. Bananas Dole. I like the battle supporting... bulge. Got it. Um... <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Now we need to bring back Revolution, you know what I mean, based on where they're getting <laughs> those bananas from. It does. I'll give you a hint. Uh, it's a Republican name only. Mm-hmm. Sort of a, a fun public, you know? Yeah. That's what they call it when they suspend your voting, right? Yeah, banana fun public. You guys don't want to vote. You guys want to be working in the factory. Who wants a banana? Yeah. Bananas Dole moves on to the next round, the final round. Now, this doesn't have to be the final round. Because I could face something versus rock and roll? Yes. Well, let's see what what this is, and then I guess I get to know at the end if I want to add a rock and roll. Okay. You really... You've really uh, fallen into my trap. <laughs> All right. Uh, bananas, Dole, <laughs> versus guacamole. Uh, I'm going to do Bananas, Dole, because I don't like guacamole. Okay. And Bananas, Dole is the winner, unless you wish to challenge it with I'm going to challenge it versus rock and roll. I'm going to okay. go rock and roll. Rock and roll wins at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But it is not... It's not as good as Clotrimazole, but Rock and Roll still wins at the end of the day. Thank you for playing the game, Aaron. Yeah. What the fuck was that? Uh, 
this little game that uh, involved science, uh, logic, which does not fall under science. Um, yeah. Because science, science is a religion. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, well, I was thinking more like quantum physics, which doesn't behave according to our logic, Peter. Mm. It's so true. It's so true. Let's talk Let about quantum just... physics in specificity. For so sometimes audience. things are there and then they're not there. <laughs> Wild. Science. Uh, I think quarks are in there. Oh, quarks are like ninety percent of it. I think. Yeah, huge, huge quark fan. Like if you if you walk into a quantum physics class, and you're like, I'm the professor, and a kid goes, Yeah, how many quarks did you bring? And if you didn't bring any quarks, you that kid gets to be the professor. Then <laughs> <laughs> his eyesight gets shitty. Um, yeah, and then they post about it on Facebook. In some right-wing forum. And then he starts <laughs> teaching about creation. And then the professor cries. Oh, he cries a cry. A deep and soulful cry. For he has lost the honor of being professore. Um, do you guys, do you want to go to uh, rock and roll? I still feel like our audience is owed a better explanation for that game than what you've given. <laughs> like, well, sure, I'm your friend, I'm your course. co-host. I'd like to, uh, I'd like to know a little bit more behind your process. But look, I understand you don't need time. I was everything. watching, I was watching Rock and Roll High School, and I was like, what words sort of rhyme with rock and roll? And then other words came up, and I was like, well, I, now that I have brought them up, they need to be considered in the contest. We haven't done a game in a while. Yeah. <laughs> and I I think this is like the equivalent of when Guns N' Roses came back came out with Chinese democracy. <laughs> <laughs> or when Duke Nukem came out with Duke Nukem Forever. Like long awaited. F across the board. <laughs> I think. Um but Aaron, there's a contest in this yeah. film. Yeah. And it's rock and roll versus Togar. Yeah. Do you want to maybe discuss that particular competition? Hey, Peter, I got four words to say to you. Hey. Oh, let's go. Hey. Oh, let's go. Hey, Pete, repeat. Ultimate taglines. Do you think Joey Ramone is sexy? Wait till you see his weird face. (laughs) (laughs) That is like antithetical to the protagonist of this movie. And you should be ashamed of yourself. (laughs) This movie does not make them look sexy. It makes them look like guys that would be fun to hang out with, though. Yeah, but I mean, that that was never the thing with the Ramones, right? Like, there was Uh, like... Not according to this film... PJ Souls wants to get some souls of time with these boys. Yeah, but, like, I don't think that, like, sometimes, like, his odd-looking, less conventional look, it's like an Adam Driver thing, right? Adam Driver is, like, not conventionally handsome, but a lot of people are like, he's sexy as fuck. And I think, you know, Joey Ramone had the same kind of vibe, like, 
He was tall. He was lanky. He had a very specific style. But, like, you know, he's still the lead singer of an amazingly popular and good band. And lends an error to of of mystique so like, i understand it's also a father john misty thing like it's just there's an energy that you can't like deny mick, mick jagger's an ugly motherfucker too yeah. and he's like a huge sex symbol yeah there's an energy you can't deny in rock and roll um it was just the funny thing is like when you listen to the ramones you're like oh they're they're like sexual powerful people and then you you see them kind of just hanging out and like eating pizza and you're like oh they're just kind of dweebs <laughs> yeah like some of the mystique gets lost before i get into the recap why don't we uh I'll, no I'll, I'll do the recap i have a couple questions to ask you before we actually get thoughts in the movie though so Re- recap recap um why don't we have segment like bits like that peter Peter, what the f- I've been asking you for years. Peter. Yes. Why did you step? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> Peter. <laughs> Different guy here. Anyway, so the quick recap of this movie is uh, Principal Togar takes over Rock and Roll High School, which is um, kind of a typical oh, she. <laughs> yeah, cl- cliche of uh, high school people. There's the jocks. There's the nerds. But the one thing they all come together on is loving the Ramones and rock and roll music. And uh, Riff Randall, played by PJ Souls in one of my favorite performances of all time. Um, she is like effervescent in her joy and like positivity and like being completely unstopped by anything. Like no one is going to get in the way of what she wants. She's not an asshole about it, but it's just like, yeah, no, I don't care about this. This is school. School's dumb. And what I want is I want to go to this Ramones concert and I want to listen to Ramones and I don't care about the rest of this stuff. <laughs> and that's essentially the whole movie. The Ramones are coming to town. She skips school. She waits in line uh, to get tickets to the show. When those are taken by Principal Togar because she's making up excuses for why she was missing school, she goes anyways. And then she's at the concert. She gets the Ramones to come to the school because she's written a song for them that she wants to perform. She gets them to come to the school and they say, fuck you, Principal Togar. They blow up the school after taking it over. There's a lot of other little fun gags going on. Principal Togar is a psycho from the beginning. We're going to talk more about that later. And Paul Bartel is this teacher who uh, is kind of like, oh, this is what the kids like. And I'm a music teacher. So why would I fight this? Why don't I just embrace it? There's also a great runner with the fact that um, – Rock and roll music is has a especially negative um, a negative reaction to mice. We'll talk more about that. It's one of my it's favorite. Probably the gags. funniest, zaniest part of the movie, perhaps like the most clearly fantastical. Yeah, there's a lot of little fantastic like that. Definitely keeps getting blown up because yeah, and then you have Clint Howard too, and there's um, uh, so their friends Kate and then Tom Roberts. Who's like this preppy guy who can't get a date. He likes PJ Souls. He likes Riff Randall. But Kate likes Tom. Clint Howard sets him up on a date. Uh, and they end up finding out that they both like each other. And I really like a lot about that too. So I really – this is just like it's 80 minutes. It's off the wall. It's fun. It's zany. It is – it has great music. It, it just – it felt like a burst of energy the first time I saw it. And I think that's what you could also say about Ramon songs. Like they're brief. They're usually two, three minutes. They just feel like this kind of thing that makes you want to jump up on your couch seat. 
and then they're over. But even though you could almost uh, paint them as slight, there's something that sticks with uh, sticks with you about their their music. And I think this movie it's supposed to be off a, this youthful exuberance, this explosion of youthful energy, right? Yeah. Yeah, this – I mean this – that's what this movie feels like. It feels like an explosion of creative people being able to make this happy, fun, bouncy movie with a lot of funny jokes, just being able to do whatever they want and just succeeding. Like there's – I don't think there's any part of this movie that's not a success. And for a high school movie that involves sex stuff too, for a high school movie set uh, from 1979 about like sex stuff, or there's some of it in there. It's also like remarkably uh, progressive in that department. Uh, as well. So, like, I just – I love this movie. There's so much to talk about with it. Pierre, you'd never seen it. Before we find out your reaction, though, let's talk a little bit about the Ramones. I came to the Ramones a little bit later in my life, college, which was way after the Ramones. I think I think Joey and everyone else was – I think they died in, like, 2003. But they were one of those bands that – I think I mentioned this before – where – I was like, I want to listen to more classic albums and start appreciating music that I've never really listened to, having a very limited limited supply of stuff from the one FM station in Bismarck, North Dakota, and like what I heard on the modern rock radio, which was all like, you know, Slither or whatever the fuck, all those Seether. Seether. A uh, lot, of, lot, lot of garbage. Like I, like, I was still got exposed to stuff like the Pixies and the Beastie Boys just through movies and friends and stuff like that, but... It felt like there was a huge chunk of like the, the classics that I never really got into from David Bowie to The Clash to stuff like that. So I started going through the Rolling Stones top 500 albums and buying a lot of the uh, the ones near the top 100 and going through other things I was interested in. And the Ramones is one of those. I bought uh, Rocket to Russia and I bought their debut and I just fucking loved it and then really kind of got into like the – I don't know, the three horsemen of, like, punk for, like, basic people, you know, The Clash, mm-hmm. The Ramones, and The Sex Pistols. Uh, way more Sex Pistols had the one album. They've got some good stuff. I like The Sex Pistols. But I felt completely fell head over heels with The Clash, and then in a different way, because they have less, like, political energy songs, which I was really into in 2004, the year of the Bush, and all that fun stuff. They were just, like, just fun, great punk songs and they really I, I they really are kind of almost the door opening to like pop punk which makes sense they cover a lot of 50s stuff this does not seem like a lot of the even what we define punk nowadays because it is just it just feels like happy rock music in a lot of ways but but it also it wears all of its emotions on its sleeve yeah. which opens the door to pop punk because like y- there's no way you can make it through a ramon song and not know exactly what they were feeling which uh, as fans of of obtuseness and just being as obvious about your messaging as possible um, on this show and, and people who think subtlety is overrated, uh, the idea of a band just being like, this is how we feel at this very moment, this like sort of raw emotional chord uh, can really be appealing. And you can totally tell why a lot of like it, it connects with teenagers in a way that like certain more intellectualized uh, post-punk and art rock kind of stuff might not. Yeah. And it does feel like, and this is a weird like feeling to articulate and there's, it's especially a teen uh, feeling of like a teenager or, uh, you know, someone in their early twenties, college, high school age. So me articulating it is going to sound probably pretty stupid, but I think it's still true where it has the feeling in a song of like, nothing really matters. So let's party. And that that ethos is like a lot of, I think, being a 
pseudo punk in the in your high school and, and college years. And I definitely kind of had a little like I cared about the world, especially uh, in 2003 and, and stuff. But, you know, when Kerry w- loses and Bush is president again, and it felt like Republicans were going, you know, like me caring about the world came at a time where things seemed like they couldn't get much darker. Ha ha ha. It got worse. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, so you kind of had this like, well. I'm going to do what I can, but at the end of the day, what the fuck am I going to do? Let's go drink and have a good time. And that, that like, somehow in, like, a two-minute Ramon song, that is the exact feeling that their songs, I think, give off. Even ones that aren't, like, saying fuck everything. uh, There's there's some more obvious ones that kind of have that more outlined or more clearly articulated, like, Teenage Lobotomy. But even the, like, Do You Want to Dance just has such an energy, like, their cover songs of just, like, what, you know, I I don't know. Like, it's hard to describe without sounding kind of like a tool, I think. But that connected with me quite a bit uh, when I heard it, you know, in when I was, like, 1920. That makes a lot of sense, especially because, like, especially as you get older, your engagement with the world has to become more adult and has to be less, like, energy focused. It has to be more, like... Yes, if the energy is needed to get your ass off the couch, fine, but you still need to vote. You still need to engage in systems. Otherwise, things are just going to remain shitty forever. But it, 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 it is, there is a reason why a lot of punk music – and by the way, side note, the Ramones are also famous because they were one of the, the handful of punk bands whose stuff really did translate well to records. Yeah. Because a lot of punk bands were amazing in the room, but – couldn't get an album together or couldn't it didn't make sense for them to put an album together particularly more like later with hardcore bands but like it really didn't it didn't make sense but like ramones could cut pop singles which increased their their yeah. uh, marketability to young kids you're you're 100 right so that like and uh, and cut a single that people like the clash had a lot of like had a lot of songs that weren't radio friendly both in like terms of messaging and in terms of um like overall, like sound, but they That's still. Why you, like, hear the London, you will hear London calling everywhere because they like accidentally made a radio friendly song. They had, and that's when they were more like poppy. But they they still had like on their first record, they had the cover of "I Fought the Law," which was a lot of fun, and like Jamie yeah. Jones, which is like a super bouncy. Like it feels. I love Jamie Jones so much, but that feels like a Ramones song done by the Clash. Because it has that same sort of energy. And I so I used to actually make a lot of mixed CDs back when you had to, you know, that was just the Ramones and the Clash because I really connected with that kind of 70s punk music. And I felt like those two groups were like uh, different sides of the same coin. And there was something invigorating about listening to like the the complete control and white riot and like all those clash songs that are like really political and are like we need to go out in the streets and fight you know then next you hear a ramon song that's like what the fuck are we gonna do we're dumb kids let's drink and have fun because those were like the two things i was feeling from a like a political standpoint in like 2002 2003 like that's you know, you just are like you're equally motivated and defeated at the same time. And somehow, like, I think that's why, like, the Ramones and the Clash were were very important to me. Um, and they're they're very musically connected just because they were like, yeah, they're the, they're two of the punk acts that really became big and kind of established the genre to a mainstream audience. But like for me personally, finding them, you know, 30 years after their heyday 
like it just they they made sense together for me in kind of a weird way. Yeah, they they hit me in like junior high really hard where I all I had was political energy but no policy ideas. <laughs> so it kind yeah, of was, me I mean perfectly. probably probably the same time period, right? Like yeah. what was that like 2002 2003 for you? Yeah. Yeah. That was where it hit me really hard That's funny. because yeah. because I was just like and uh, and then like you know I went through phases and then I like thought punk music was stupid for a long period of time unless you were actually in the room and then I was like well no actually a lot of these guys managed to get stuff on the record so like I went through I went through phases with all this stuff but yeah junior high was when when the Ramones had the, their greatest impact on me where I would like blast it in my room and my parents would ask to turn it down that kind of thing like the the embarrassing yeah. kind of like junior high expression of like this is who I am. Look, like Look you want, you either want this loud guitars or like music with a lot of swears. Yes, yes, yeah. the the raw loud energy as opposed to like yeah. But, well, that's but, the thing; it did still feel da- like it felt dangerous even to me in in two thousand two, two thousand three. Like it did because music didn't sound this carefree. It sounded produced. Everything on the radio sounded produced. And you can hear that even with like Metallica and the way Metallica is compressed now. There's no highs and lows within the track. Whereas Ramones, like as radio friendly as it was, like it had that sort of live wire thing where like it might get fucking loud when you're not expecting it. (laughs) Yeah. And it felt like people who had an, enormous amount of energy um so embarrassingly enough i didn't find out about this movie until i guess i knew about it but i thought again i just kind of thought like oh one of these cheap 70s 80s movies it's gonna be a bad movie like the again that stupid like high school working at a video store thing where i was like really attracted to i need to see the classics and thinking like stuff like this was by default gonna be bad well also the Um, cover looks like the cover it looks like looks Animal like House. A bad I mean, I saw Animal comedy. House. Yeah. I mean, like, well, let's pause right here. This movie is a fucking dinosaur, right? Like, it's like a sex comedy that they don't really make anymore. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of barely a sex comedy, but it's and it's definitely a very different sex comedy. I mean, the, the protagonist spends the whole movie trying to get laid, and then he changes his plan to just get laid with a different person. So, I mean, um, why? Well, I don't think he's the protagonist. I wish he wasn't, but I'm pretty sure Tom is. I'll, we'll get into no. it, but he's kind of my only problem with the movie. Um, uh, but uh, I actually I like Tom, but I mean he's and, terrible. But that's the joke. Anyways, we'll, but yeah, we'll, and the we'll, idea we'll, that rock is something that like all parents hate, and like that it's this like rebellious satanic thing, like that kind of feels like a dinosaur thing. Like the obviously like. There's documentaries like Paradise Lost, which which depict uh, rock music, punk music, metal music being just uh, laid out in the public as uh, an act of evil. And there's movies yeah. like Virgin Suicides, which are more of like a period thing, like the 1960s thing where, you know, religious parents would burn their records on the lawn. Is that an apocryphal thing or that actually happened? Uh, I think it happened. Definitely there's some Christian groups at the very least. But – to that point, we can get into this more too. I think the par like so you have like uh, Paul uh, Paul Bartel. I almost called him Paul Bar- Blart, but that is in Paul Blartel. <laughs> Paul Paul Bartel, uh, who Spool like immediately is like on the kid's side, and he, yes. she does rile up some parents. But I take it more as like how easily like these reactionaries in the position of authority are able to like 
turn parents against their own kids, which is something that absolutely still happens. And like in some ways almost is uh, similar to a movie we talked about last year. Uh, pump up the volume, which has like an evil principal who Christian Slater's parents are the cool parents, but a lot of the other parents are like, oh, if I'm hearing this from the principal and the teachers, then my kid is a piece of shit. And that idea of like, and that, so even though this is more of a fun, crazy version of that, I think that that is less dinosaur-y than than you would like to think. And uh, there is, I mean, uh, pausing here real quick, the reactionary thing, Togar, yeah. Calls burning the records the final solution. Yeah. And her hall monitors are brown shirts. It is. It is amped up. And that's what makes it so. I mean, everything in this movie is amped up to 11 to steal another rock and roll movie. Remember <laughs> back when calling people Nazis and fascists was more of like a figurative way to try and hem in people as opposed to just like, no, that person is literally a Nazi. Yeah. That, like that, that person has a swastika tattoo now. Yeah, it is. It is funny how like, uh, well, not not funny at all, but terrifying like, they, and miserable. Uh, yeah, they went to cartoon villains to like, oh, five five Nazis are running for Congress this year, and they have the Republican nomination. Just read that Slate article. Uh, so, uh, yeah, things change, and look, we can talk about Togar for a second. Like in her, she is never portrayed as anything other than completely fucking insane, and yeah. I love that. It's not like she gets there quickly. Her first presentation to Paul Bartel and whatever that other teacher is, uh, the gym teacher or whatever, is like all her studies with mice wearing leather jackets and smoking when they hear and she's blowing up the mice. And Paul Bartel's like, you're crazy. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. That's great. There's never like, a, oh, this person's a little off and then it goes like – it's just like, well, yeah, she's fucking nuts, but she's the principal. What are you going to do? That's a, that's who's in charge of the kids. But I love that they never like they. There's no, there's no like upward slide. There's no like we're gonna make her crazier. She is fucking nuts from the word go. She never stops being nuts, and everyone just works around her. And it's like an eighty minute movie, so there's not really time yeah. to make her any crazier. It's nice to have this villain come in fully formed, and you know to hate her immediately because of what she, and what she's doing is like illegal in a lot of cases like the way she's policing kids activity outside of school would basically just be a legal case like the school county would the the school board for the county would be sued for doing some of the stuff that she does like particularly taking taking the personal property of students away and then trying to uh like sell it like that that stuff yeah, is I mean, that stuff is all stuff that school that that shitty principals probably have gotten away with but like nowadays you probably can find like some lawyer who's like I'll take on the school board but i i don't i don't think this is anything other than an extreme yes exaggeration like it it is a farce it is just a a manic movie so like she's not supposed to be like based in reality she's like yeah there's a little bit of like a yeah, the principals are evil and no one knows what to do about it sometimes. And then they bring the parents around with them. But she's like, but most time principals aren't, yeah, Nazis and going into people's houses and, you know, th- trying to get the police to open fire on the kids. Like, it is that level of uh, exaggeration. Yeah. No, I, she's she's fucking insane. And, and, and she is kind of um, – the movie constantly outlines the fact that this is – Sort of supposed to be a little bit surreal. Like, so the blowing up mice thing is obviously nuts. Well, and Clint, Clint Howard can make stuff disappear and reappear. Like, 
Remember when she he like offers luggage, he also may be able to see the future and control minds, and his office is like a fully formed office in a bathroom stall. Like it's so funny. It's great. It's it's it- <laughs> it's all height, but it, the whole thing is heightened reality. That's kind of the the point. Is like they're not trying they're not trying to be realistic or operate in the real world. It's the scene where Clint Howard has a uh, is like a fixer with a secretary, and they walk into that bathroom, and he has like the light to tell you whether or not he's busy. All of that was when I was like, okay. Yeah. This is full-on fantasy. This is not purporting to be, like, no. a sort of Animal House thing where you're like, 95% of this you could do in real life. You shouldn't do it, but you could do about 95% of this in real life. Um, but, I, but I think that's why I love the movie. Like, we've talked about how much I enjoy, like, maximal, maximalism in films. Yes. And I, and I like the idea that, yeah, you're making a movie. You don't need to... You don't need to follow the rules of reality if you don't want. Like, you don't need to make a movie completely untethered. But if you have a good mice gag that you want to escalate to the point that there's literally, like, mutant mice that are that everyone just accepts are, are like, you know, big bird-sized mice that live amongst us and no one even, like, blinks an eye. Is it funny? Absolutely. Yeah, fuck it. Put it in the movie. Who gives a shit? We are just having fun here. And it's not supposed to be real i love when movies do that and you would think with the power that in like creating fiction that there would be more movies that do it and they don't like i feel like 95 percent of movies are trying to be grounded in reality and then maybe introduce the fan- fantastical so i always appreciate a movie that doesn't give a shit about that and is not a parody because the only movies that do this that this this consistently are like you know, Zucker Abrams ripoffs. Yeah. And this is not a parody. This is just, we're just having fun. And that's, and movies can be that sometimes. Can we talk a little bit about how this is the first real uh, movie that uh, Joe Dante got to direct? And yeah, so like this and Piranha were the first movies that he directed large swaths of it wholesale, right? And it wasn't reconstituting footage because it, it, it does show kind of, while earlier efforts would show kind of his uh, sense of um, what his political ideas were and yeah. where his head was at sort of with uh, how movies should be made and what's going on there. This was him showing like what happens when I get full control to just make a raucous party movie. Yep. You know, it, it feels it, it, he still has like a sense of control over the party. So like, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like the movie is busting at the seams because they're just like, well, let's see as much, let's get as much wildness as we can get in there. It's like I want to make a real movie where there are scenes where everything goes fucking crazy, and you have a sense of contrast where there's scenes where two people are talking and just having a normal conversation. And it's kind of funny, and then the next scene, everything blows up. So he kind of. He kind of knew very early on how to do the bedroom scene and then the ballroom scene right next yep. to each other, which is really fucking impressive. And it just it, – that's why I really consider this a Joe Dante movie because Joe Dante has that manic energy where, you know, a lot of the movies he's known for uh, – so a lot of the movies he's very well known for is like Gremlins 2 where he just throws everything at the wall. And this is that movie. This is, this is a movie that is not leaving a stone unturned. It has little stories it wants to follow. 
Uh, it has a ton of gags, and it's gonna and it's gonna move from one to the other pretty seamlessly, where you're still following the overall story, and you don't get whiplash. It, it doesn't feel like a tonal mess. It all feels part of like this big party that's occurring in the movie you're watching. Like it's almost like a a, a party the filmmakers are are throwing for the idea that they can do whatever they want. So the the that energy which kind of rubs off on you as you're watching the movie because everything that's happening on screen is really great. But you can't help but get the feeling of, oh, man, they just – they could do whatever they wanted here. Yeah, it, this can go anywhere that it wants. And especially, yeah, those those moments of fantasy really liberate you. And what's funny is that, like, it still has stakes because well, – let's, let's pause here. I really want to talk about the Tom and Kate and uh, Riff Randall stuff because the fact that I care about Riff Randall being able to go to a Ramones concert is pretty impressive because this movie is so wild. It's such a like... Well, she's uh, Bugs Bunny, too. Yes, because she's not... When Tom says he wants to date her, it's not only... She's not only unattainable because, like, she's just this, like, live wire and he's so fucking boring. It's also because she she can't just date a guy... She can just bend to the whim of a guy. She's Bugs Bunny. She's like this. She can't just settle down and, and date the blonde haired dude. She needs to like be pursuing this like this fantasy of the Ramones. And there's this whole bedroom sequence where she's singing like a love song and the different Ramones are all kind of seducing her. Yeah. Like she can't decide which one's the I want you around. It's a really it's a really yeah. fun sequence. Um, yeah. I also didn't know this movie was a full-on musical. I thought it was more of like a, the Ramo, more of like a the Ramones come and thrash a school and play a few songs. Um, yeah. Which at first it is that kind of like yeah. the Ramones kind of show up and play some songs and whatever. But by the end, it's full-on musical. Like impossible things are happening to make it a musical. Yep, it's the "Do You Want to Dance" uh, scene, especially where they're like going through the school to to perform their song as opposed to on stage. That is the best shot in the movie, bar none, yeah. is when they're on that, uh, it's a tracking shot of them on a float. So it's the Ramones, it's PJ Souls, it's it's the whole gang, everyone except for Togar and her, you know, the cops and stuff that are outside are all, everybody that's inside the school is united against, united against uh, Togar out there and they're playing the Do You Want to Dance and there's this awesome tracking shot just coming towards the camera of them just like throwing confetti down a school hallway and tearing open lockers and it's just like this big raucous party um yeah and we we sometimes talk about like movies leaving you with a burst of energy or like not even leaving you but like a moment that feels like i don't know like I would say, like, the end of Whiplash, like, left me like, I need to go run around the block because something about that movie, like, that moment where they uh, slam cut to the do you want to dance number felt felt like that. Still feels like that when I watch it where it was like, holy shit, like, I want to stand up and cheer like I'm at a concert on my couch right now. Yeah, it it does feel like you're catching something that it it feels like you're at the party, which is a... Surprisingly hard thing for movies to communicate, I think. Yeah. <laughs> because. Especially a, watching it at home. Yes. Like, I'm watching my pajamas laying on the couch. Like th- That's why you know. sometimes music videos can be really alienating. Because in those three minutes, it's hard for the song to connect you to a single character. And for that character to 
feel real in the scene to you. Like, that's why sometimes you're watching a music video and you're like, this is really off. It's because you're just like, it's hard for you to connect with that visual stylization, especially with how big music videos can be in their style. This movie is a very plain looking movie. It kind of looks like in terms of color palette and all that, like it kind of looks like any other movie. It just has a really strong sense of framing and a strong sense of where the camera needs to be. But the, the fact that you connect with these characters early on really makes it so by the end when there's this big explosion of energy and there's love and there's there's people fulfilling dreams like partying with the Ramones that all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, I feel like I'm there because I already connected with everybody earlier. And I also like that um, – and they make this joke early on with, like, the freshmen and stuff like that. But they don't do what a lot of high school movies do, which is, like, f- uh, ferment, like, division among the students. Like, there is, like, yeah, I'm a jock and you're a nerd and you're a freshman and I'm the cool punk girl and I'm the nerdy girl and I'm the I'm the Zach Morris wannabe. But, like, at the end of the day, we're all kids together in this school – so when we're being attacked, we're all together and we all fucking love the Ramones. So now they're having a party in the school. Let's fucking party. Like, you know, it's 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 still relying on the idea of um, people following specific high school stereotypes, but it's not separating to the point that like they wouldn't talk to it. Like it's not breakfast clubbing them. Yeah. It's just saying, yeah, some people dress different in high school, but they all like listening to music and they yeah. all know each other and they all mostly get along. Yeah, the party includes everyone, and I think that that's nice that their rebellion, because the Ramones were weird kids, that yeah. they were like, we're the freaks, we're the outsiders, why would we all of a sudden start stepping on people now? It, they, they tease nerds, they tease freshmen or whatever, but like they, the movie never is like, you're excluded from the party because you're not cool enough to hang out with us. Like, that would be entirely against the idea of punk it would be entirely against the whole like ramones ethos which is about like we're all fucked up dorks um let's just get by however we can yeah let's let's hey ho and let's go yeah gabba Um, gabba hey ho so great about that and that's why even though like obviously you have togar being the epitome of a terrible teacher and like school administration official you also have paul bartel who is like an awesome teacher and I think a representation of like this movie would have been so easy to make and it wouldn't have mattered because it is a farce and it is all just a loud fun movie. But it would have been easier to make all the teachers evil. That's the that's the normal thing, right? Paul Bartel is immediately like, oh, what are you guys listening to? Oh, interesting. All right. Well, I should expose myself to this to be a better teacher for these kids and like defends them, wants it to be clear like, yeah, I'm not familiar with this music. That's how every generation works. So I'm going to learn about it and then I'm going to be able to teach music better to the kids because why would you ever stifle kids who are expressing interest in something we want them to express interest in, like art? And how sad would it be if the next generation was entirely in some sort of nostalgic thrall to the previous generation in a way that like if you're doing something that the old folks don't like, it probably means you're creating something new. Yeah. I mean, it's so it's so great. And he is like he's there from the beginning. He's nothing but not supportive. He he wants to experience the stuff. And he like argues for like, yeah, let let these kids develop and embrace new art. That's how art works. That's how music works. Like and it speaks to we kind of talked a little bit about this in matinee with like how Joe Dante is kind of an old hippie 
who like who doesn't like authority that uses their power for evil but yes. understands that like you can like the parents of the the awesome girl in matinee who are like we're still parents but we want to let our kid go do these things so they can experience stuff the idea that like it's not that it's as simple as all authority figures suck. It's that like authority figures have a responsibility to shepherd the next generation into finding themselves. And Paul, you know, Paul Bartel is a great reflection of that. And also um, the rebellion that is going against, you know, Togar's rebel, uh, you know, Togar's uh, iron will. The rebellion is like mostly harmless. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yes, PJ Souls takes a couple days off school and like, yes, at the end of the movie, when everything finally cracks, the kids take over the school. But like, I was looking at it when I I was watching it and I was like, yeah, this seems like a wild, raucous party. But um, I think they did like $500 in damage. Yeah. (laughs) They like break a window with a chair. They throw the the brown shirts out the window, which is fine because the brown shirts are uh, sexual assaulters. Um, Yeah. They, they revel in doing that pat down or whatever, the, the search. Yeah, they're Nazi, they're Nazi assholes. They're Nazi assholes. Following their Fuhrer as a final solution. I mean... And I, so they, I think they do, like, almost no damage to the school. Like, at the end of the day, like, Togar just doesn't like the idea that these kids are not completely bending to her fascist will. Well, exactly. So, like, so they're, they're rebelling against the right things. They're not like, oh, you literally are stopping us from, like, listening to music yes. at lunch. Okay, well, that's bullshit, so we're just not going to do that. And then as she tries to iron boot down and and and, uh, and cross, like, whatever boundary she has as, like, an educator, the same time they barricade themselves in the school, she is telling the police to go in and shoot. So I think whatever damage they, they do to the school is fair at that point. Oh, yeah. But my point is that, like... It's not rebellion. even about it's not even about money. It's not about like whatever. It's about like the disrespect to her iron will. And and I think, yeah, like, stop being what, so fascist to us. And I think what I think what Joe Dante as an old hippie is saying, and at this point would have been a young hippie, but uh, as an old hippie is saying is like, really, are they asking that much? They want to go to a concert. They want to listen to music. They want to hang out with their friends. They want to get laid. Like, isn't that all shit that you did? 20 years earlier, 30 years earlier. Well, and also, so you mentioned that this movie is a dinosaur. It was a dinosaur in 1979, too. Like, yes. this is a movie about teachers who hate rock and roll and the protagonist who has a song that she wants her favorite band to sing. And that's not a shock that's out of time because it is a update of those, those 50s things where – it was so common for parents to be against rock and roll because it was it really was new at that point where the Ramones, you know, was not like if you were a parent in 1979, you probably grew up with the Who and the Rolling Stones. Like not that you might not reject like the new punk sound or like maybe you listen to just like Peter, Paul and Mary or something like that. I don't know. But like that's the kind of the joke, too, that this was a dinosaur on purpose when it was made. Let's let's talk a little bit about Peter. I don't know how much research you did. I hope not that much, so we can play a fun guessing game in the middle of our episode. So a second game, you say? A second game? Well, it's just going to be. I want you to guess. Um, I'm not going to give you clues. Uh, maybe I'll give you some clues. You know what? Um, okay. So sorry. Hold on one second. No, you do hold. You on. Used no. to say this ain't no game to me, but now. Well, okay. But to be clear, this is a game, though, Peter. I don't lie to you. That's okay. our relationship is not 
built on a foundation of fibs. Thank you for flagging it because I was kind of under the impression that there would be no games, but I guess you did give me fair warning, so I guess I will play your game. I'll tell you what, the next section that is not about games, I'm going to tell you, this ain't no game. This is just us talking about another section of the movie. Okay, cool. Uh, But so the idea that Joe Dante had was about doing a updated and a um, more uh, raucous version of... uh, uh, of 50s authority figures hate your music and the kid just wants to get a song in front of his favorite bands because that was back when like if you sang you probably didn't write your own music so it was a little more common like that was just a job which was writing songs for your favorite artists where like the 70s it was a lot more of like no we write our own music that's like the whole thing about being like authentic and punk and anyways so as as such when joe dante had this idea it was just based on that idea he didn't have a band in mind so, they approached two other bands who turned it down first. First of all, did you look this up? Do you have any idea what those two bands are? Nope. Okay. They are both – you will know both of these bands. Both of them are sort of hilarious as like <laughs> the like this movie feels like it was written around the Ramones. And the fact that it wasn't is extra funny. Uh, it's especially funny though – that the, the other two bands, other two bands who I like, they're not punk bands. One of them has a, I'll give you the first clue. So the first one they try to do, one of them has a song, a very popular song about kids being weird. They have a song about kids being weird? Well, that means, so kids and parents not understanding each other. <clears throat> which oh, my guess, Will Smith and Jazzy Jeff. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, think like think like an earlier like it's basically that, but think of it from the seventies. Oh, the Who? No, um, parents just don't understand. I think I think the Who you could almost make work, except they're a little too old. They're too for big and too old. Yeah, yeah. But um, but like from a music standpoint, yes, you could make that work. But that this is not that. This is like oh, yeah, okay. Uh, they also have a, the other uh, really popular song they have is a. Um, is it about rocking the Cosba? No. Uh, it is – the other big song that they have is, a, is a, like a happy love song that you – that's really fast and upbeat that you've heard a million times probably at weddings. So they have Ooh. one about like parents and kids not understanding each other and just accept that and then they have another upbeat rock song that about uh someone wanting someone to fall in love with them that you've heard a million times at a wedding ooh, wedding it's big at but like it's also in a million different soundtracks a million different people cover this song i'll give you a big clue it's featured uh fuck what's the name of that band they broke up in 2000 um but they do a cover of it in uh 10 things i hate about you the song the band at the dance oh shit uh letters to cleo was the name of the band. Okay. They did a cover of it in 10 Things I Hate About You. It's their biggest song by far. It's their biggest song. I don't know, man. I'm stumped. So the two songs are Surrender and I Want You to Want Me. They want a cheap trick. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Kind of, but I like... Mean, cheap trick I think of as dad rock now, but... And it feels more like arena rock and like... I think I think you could get it where they were like, oh, like your mommy's all right, your daddy's all right. They just seem a little weird. That's kind of what we're doing here. So yeah, cheap trick. But yeah, yeah, that does seem like a very weird one. And the other one is not a band; it's a solo person. 
It, it, it wrote really a lot of work in the context just because of how Cheap Trick is like all about. Cheap Trick is like a very in studio and the Ramones could work in a room like a Ramones could work as a garage band, you know. Also, their songs band. are five minutes long. <laughs> like, yeah. how do you do you just do truncated? Like, one of the great things about this is that the Ramones, all their songs are two minutes. So you can do 10 Ramones songs and that only is 25 percent of your movie. But you're doing a fucking ton of Ramones songs in their entirety. I don't know how you do that with Cheap Trick. The other one's a lot weirder. Like, he's kind of a punky guy that wrote, like, a lot of really pop music. He's very critically acclaimed. He has a, uh, a famous double album uh, from the 80s called Something Anything. Punky guy from the 80s? But he's a punky guy that did pop music. But, like, his attitude, I, I would Dexter say Dexter Poindexter, clearly. <laughs> no. I don't know. His ethos has always been kind of punk, but a lot of his music. I mean, that's not true. I guess he he does some more like more more rambunctious stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he doesn't want to work. Is one of his wa- more famous songs. He just wants to bang on his drum all day. Yeah. Did that give it away? <laughs> Assuming you know who sang that song. No. You don't know who sang that song. No. Oh, uh, it's Todd Runnigan. <laughs> oh, okay. So that would have been an okay one too. But I again, mean- it just it feels not like. It's a. It's just one guy. Like I, I guess he'd have his band with him, but it doesn't. Like I don't know. Like can you imagine Riff Randall being like, "I just love Todd Runnigan." Yeah, <laughs> like, it doesn't feel right. Yeah, like, I feel like yeah, the Ramones are the are the pick. Like they probably were at the right size as a band that they were willing to make their own Hard Day's Night or whatever, whatever yeah. you'd call this. But they weren't. <laughs> they weren't so developed and so into their own political stuff that they needed the movie to be a representation of that you know um they just wanted to capture the energy the feel of the moment the youth yeah. rebellion i mean exactly that's why it feels like it was made for the ramones because cheap trick and todd runnigan did not feel like they were like this the, movie the, would be nothing if it was about no them. yeah do you know and you know who suggested the ramones joe dante never heard them before paul John bartell Landis? No, Paul Bartel. Oh, Paul Bartel. Well, uh, Paul Bartel and, and Mary a, Warnoff are both cool, cool people. Like they were very, very cool people. Yeah, they were with it very much. They did genre stuff. They did cool, like more art house stuff, and they were like into the New York art scene. They loved like CBGBs and shit when it was like actually a name. Like they were, yeah, they were cool people. I just think that's great. Like the idea that Paul Bartel, who of course is again is the cool teacher who like is like accept the new music in real life was like the, the you know middle aged guy. I was like, yeah, you heard the Ramones, they're awesome. Yeah, except that that's got it. that's exactly yeah, it's great. I love it. It's so perfect. It's on brand, as they say, as the kids say. Well, the teens say it. Yeah, that's what I hope. I hope as I'm 35. I hope I'm a Paul Bartel, not <laughs> a Mary Warnoff. In this movie specifically, in real life, I hope I am a Mary. Uh, let's so let's talk a little bit about the side characters that you think are the main characters. <laughs> I like to start out as aggressive. Tom, Tom comes in the show. He's sort of a dork. But I, I want to let's start at something you said, so we don't have to to rehash it. You said that he really likes Riff Randall, and that sucks, and it does. Everyone in the movie thinks it sucks. Everyone in the movie thinks it's a bad idea. I love that he is like, I'm an attractive guy who is so boring and so incompetent at having conversations that even when the conversations are going well, he then screws it up by like leaving and said, what did I do wrong? Like that. I love that opening scene where he just keeps saying, what am I doing? What, what can I do wrong? And then he'll say something to someone. And sometimes he says something super dorky and they leave. And then he's like, it's like he is... 
uh, John Cusack in High Fidelity uh, has the girl and then is like, oh, that's right. I rejected her. It's fine. Like, he is so far up his own ass that he, whether he's boring or not, he is just not recognizing what's going on around him. So as he's going through that, he runs into Riff Randall, who has already probably heard his uh, nice weather we're having line. That's the only thing he has. And so she says it first. She says, nice weather we're having. I don't think there's like a big connection there. He just is like, oh, yeah, like I recognize that. Like, so I don't think there's like any sort of like she, he doesn't really pine for her. He She just said a sentence to him that in his monkey brain, like was like, I like that sentence. I say that sentence a lot because he's too dumb to figure out that like she's making fun of him in a very nice like Riff Randall Bugs Bunny way. And she and, and also it's one of those things where he, he's interested in her because she is not only is she pretty, obviously, but uh, PJ Souls is an adorable person. Um, but she, yeah, I, she, let, let, let's get through this stuff and then we can talk she, about PJ But Soul. she also, it's because she's like a, a, a person of power and coolness. So like his interest in her is so super, like superficial. And he's just like, it, it's almost like he wants to like become her more than he wants to be her or be with yeah. her. He's just like, yeah, I guess this would work to date. But there's nothing, there's nothing beyond. There's not like pining. And so he goes to Clint Howard. He's like, yeah. And Clint Howard's like, uh, sure. Whatever. I'm a, I'm kind of a funny scumbag and I'm going to take your money. But you should go on to practice dates. Here's why I love the way they handle this in this movie. Any other movie, it would be about, especially in the 70s, in a high school quote unquote sex comedy. It would be him having a conversation with Clint Howard tricking Kate and then maybe like, oh, I guess I guess I'll, she's all that her. She's fine. I'm going to stick with her. She's actually pretty or some stupid shit like that, right? Yes. Instead, Kate is also using Clint Howard. And he she's also like, she has her own agency and sexuality too. And she's like, yeah, he's dumb, but he's hot. And I would like to have sex with him. So I'm going to go and try to pull the same scan I don't know whatever Clint Howard is doing to arrange these things, but she's she's doing her own thing and she's doing it because not because she loves him or anything like that. It's just, yeah, he's an attractive person that I want to have sex with. And at no point does the movie shame her. And no, they're always on equal footing because they're both doing the exact same thing. And if anything, she has a little bit more of the upper hand. And it's there's never like some exploitive sex scene. They just end up like going on a couple dates and necking. And like, that's it. And and at no point is um, Peter anything more than just like, yeah, he's a dumb person who doesn't know how to talk to people. The movie mocks him pretty openly. He he just like he just doesn't know how to relate to people. And someone else wants to have sex with him. And they they both accomplished their goals. He finds someone that likes being around him and she gets to have sex with the hot person she wanted to. And that's that's it. Like it's so it is like for a sex stuff. In these movies, it is so innocent. It's so kind of funny. And again, it doesn't... So many of these fucking high school movies are about some dude trying to, quote-unquote, scam to get a girl. And the fact that this movie has them pulling the bolt, the same scam is so refreshing. I do like that it's not about him settling. It's about yeah. him legitimately discovering that he likes this person that he's been stuck around. But, like, she is... She has been forced in inside his bubble so that she violates 
she doesn't violate any of his like anxiety triggers she's just kind of already there like she's already within the bubble so he like kind of ignores her for a while and that's long enough for them to actually like build some sort of bond as opposed to like him just being like you know i can't get the prom queen so i'll settle for my friend which is like how a lot of these sex comedies come off when they when that happens like like, oh, well, my friend ended up being really hot because she took her glasses off and straightened her hair or whatever the fuck they do. Instead, it's like, you know what she wants from the beginning. What she wants doesn't really change, though it does get more of an emotional backing. By the- yeah, it ends up being a little like she just wants someone. She wants to have sex with a good looking person that she likes and wants to have sex with. And they end up being like, oh, we kind of enjoy being around each other. And like, that's that's it. Like. I think it's super sweet and I don't think his character is all that problematic because he is pulling the same scam that she is and that like she's trying to use this Clint Howard to arrange something, get get something that they want. Almost all other movies, it would be one-sided. It's not here. And he isn't like overtly like, I need to get laid. He just wants like a girlfriend. Like, it does feel very, like, innocent 50s with still having, like, Clint Howard in a van with a blow-up doll trying to teach them how to unhook a bra. Like, it somehow does the innocent 50s thing and the the sex comedy 70s thing without being disgusting or, like, like, I think this movie holds up pretty well from, like, a sexual politics standpoint. Yeah, there's still the body search thing, which happens twice. And yeah, but those are those are like Nazis. <laughs> like, there's not like you are not supposed to feel like yeah. Yeah, it's... this isn't Revenge of the Nerds where you're rooting for him to sexually assault a woman. No, those. I mean, those two are like unambiguously rooting. evil. Yeah, they, I mean, they're unambiguously evil. Like, so they're brown shirts. Yeah, li- they're literal Nazis, and the movie at no point tries to redeem them they are not the heroes of the movie so yes and that's why i the the a lot of 80s comedies do not survive and even no. the good ones usually have something creepy in it i remember <clears throat> i think there's some creepy stuff even in like stripes like there's there's a plenty of these movies where oh there's tons of creepy stuff in stripes there's, i haven't I mean, seen it in a while but i remember a lot of the like the way they the that uh bill murray and uh harold ramus pursue the girls being really creepy to me well and that's because almost all of those 80s and 70s like teenage or like young 20s comedies are from the perspective of our male protagonists like it's talked about a lot but like there wasn't movies where there's movies where the 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 uh, protagonist was a woman but usually they were about trying to fall in love with someone like where there was a million movies about the guys just want to get laid and maybe sometimes they accidentally uh they just want to get laid and see boobs and maybe they accidentally fall in love like there wasn't that uh with uh women protagonists and this almost is that like uh the protagonist in this movie uh, is not, like, trying to get laid. I mean, I guess she is a little bit with Joy Ramon. But, like, that's it. She just wants Ramones, 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 Ramones. Yes. And then and then I, Kate and Peter have essentially You equals. mean Tom? Why do you keep saying my name? I don't know. He looks like a Peter. Maybe he's the blonde hair. <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> Sorry. Um, I've never asked any woman how the weather's doing. I think the yeah, – well, I hope not. I don't even think he asked that. Even a meteorologist. But Tom. principle, I've never asked. <laughs> I've needed uh, to know the weather and I've never asked. 
Uh, yeah, it was like it was a life or death, and I let yeah. everyone die to not be boring small talk. I still took the boat out. Yeah, you're you're Robert Redford. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a time loop. Mm-hmm. So yeah, him him and Kate have equal screen time. So it's not like, and he isn't like solely focused on getting laid. So it it does it is so much different than the movies of its era. But I think this is a perfect time to pivot talking about the best part of this movie. Maybe tied with the music, to be honest. I do love a lot of the music featured in here. But you know who else does? PJ Souls, who is I don't know, like effervescent. Yeah, she's um, she's like tangible joy. Even when she's like a bully and Carrie. Or kind of uh, kind of sleazy in in Halloween. Like she, even when she's in a role like that, she kind of just exudes this sort of like energy. This energy of, but like a recognizable energy. I don't want to say, say "Girl Next Door" because that's got like sexual connotations. I mean it in the sense that like "Girl Next Door" in the sense that like you knew girls like this in high school and you were like, nothing can capture her. Like, not, I don't mean that in a sexual way. Like, nothing can capture her. Like, they are just full of life and vigor. And, like, when you catch them in a down moment, it's almost baffling. Like, there are people like that in your life. And there are men like this, too. But, like, she was such a great find for whoever in this whole De Palma, Carpenter, Roger Corman, Joe Dante, you know, blur. Whoever first discovered PJ Souls was a genius because she- I think I think Halloween was the first really big one. And then she disappeared really quickly to the point that there's some rock band that uh, named an album Whatever Happened to PJ Souls. And she was such a good sport. She appeared on the cover in her uh, Riff Randall outfit. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, she's also very, very fun in interviews, and yeah. and yeah, she's just energy is is a is the best way to talk about it, and without just sexualizing her because she is very cute. But like the way that she um, makes movies come alive for a few seconds and makes you care about a character for a few seconds is something that very few actresses of this ilk in the genre works could do. Nobody else could be Riff Randall except for. God knows. I can't think of anybody. It feels so natural and it feels like, you know, when I was skeptical of this movie and then didn't watch it till it was the dissolved movie of the week, it was like, okay, sure, it's a Ramones high school comedy. And the, there's that opening scene where they play like an unlicensed Paul McCartney song, which is very funny to me. I was like, is this the monkeys or who is this? Um, because they didn't get a – it sounds like the Beatles. But even with the <laughs> licensing – in in 1979, there's no way they got a fucking Beatles track. No. Or, but they did. They got a Paul McCartney stuff. And the deal was they just couldn't put it. They couldn't put it on the soundtrack, but it's also not in the musical credits. Like, that was the weird deal they struck so that they can use this, like, model in Paul McCartney and Wings song uh, at the opening. So that is Paul McCartney. And you're just going through all the different kids and the different, like, uh, stereotypes of a high schooler. And then... Riff Randall busts in and says, "What do you get? You like? What are you guys doing? This isn't Vince Lombardi High School. This is rock and roll high school." And play Sheena is a punk rocker, which is one of my favorite Ramon songs. It's great, uh, and everyone starts dancing, and it was immediately being won over by the movie. Like it was, and it's all because of her. It's an, it's, and I mean, Sheena's punk rocker is a great way to open, but like she just has so much joy. And and being able to listen to this music and also like give it 
in a weird way, like manna from heaven to these kids who just seem like zombies and everyone just busts up and starts dancing. It was like, oh, I'm going to love this movie. And that kind of like energy that she exudes just went throughout the entire movie. She is um, yes, indefe- indefeatable. Like that's why like it. I didn't think of her as Bugs Bunny till we started talking about it. But it's but it is the same thing. It is like a never-ending well of energy combined with like a pure joy in everything she's doing. Whether she's getting in trouble, or whether she's, you know, doing exactly what she wants to do, like she just in, is enjoying every second of her life and when people try to Tell her she should. She's like, no, nah, no, fuck that. She doesn't get angry, but she's like, no, I'm, I'm going to do that, though, because I, I have a pretty good sense of what life is. And uh, no, I'm going to do it because I like it. And that's it. Like, it's so it's so good. And she's so good at it. Yep. I I can't say it any better than that. I think uh, I think just see the movie. There's a there's a, a palpable sort of chemistry between her in the frame that just it just fits. What what are we missing here? What do we what do we got? Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of fun little comedic performances in this. Like Dick Miller is in this. Yeah. Um is this he's the a cop. first time is this the first time or is he in Piranha too? Is I think he's in Piranha. Because <laughs> Joe Dante not found Piranha Dick too. Miller early on, probably from some of his black and white TV work or something, but like he was in the Corman. Oh no, he's in Dante No, 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 he's him. in Hollywood Boulevard. He, he plays is? the skeezy agent. Yeah, he's in, so, so he's there from the beginning. So Joe Dante found him either through the Corman verse or just liking him on TV or whatever, because Dick Miller was around for a while. He's a fucking working actor, man. He's the definition of of that kind of character actor. He's in it briefly, just like he's going to be in all the other movies this month. I needed to note that. Um, and also, uh, there's a really fun cameo by Don Steele. Don Steele is in Death Race 2000 as well, and he was this 30-year running L.A. radio jockey, disc jockey, who showed up in Death Race 2000 and Grand Theft Auto with Ron Howard, and he's also on in Gremlins briefly in the background. Like, Yeah. He was this radio enter- uh, voice that, like, Joe Dante just loved. He's so, he's so good in this movie. Like, he's so good for those little moments. Yeah. And... Just- the way he reports on like an uprising and the threat of like violence on both sides as as like a reporting from the the motor speedway is yes. so good. Yeah, he's like blood shed on the motorway. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's so good. It's, it's so, so good. I, th- I looked him up after this because I remember talking about how good he was in Death Race two thousand. I don't know if we got into it then. Uh, but I didn't realize he really was like just a sports announcer that Joe Dante kept u- and the Corman verse kept using. Yeah, <laughs> it's so perfect. It does make sense because Death Race 2000 was like a pretty big hit for Corman. It made him a lot of money, and that Don Steele was still in the universe. And I bet you Dante was like, I can call in a favor very quickly for this. Yeah. So um, Don Steele is a fun little little cameo. Did you know there's a band called the Ramones in this movie? Uh, yeah. Uh, let me. There's Joey, there's Toey, there's, there's Gobot, yeah, <laughs> Optimus Prime, <laughs> Michelangelo, um, Duke, <laughs> Sir Duke, Stevie. Duke's Wonder. okay. Yeah, <laughs> but the Ramones are in this, just doing their version of a Hard Day's Night, and just like, just like you would expect, it's not as pretty a movie as a Hard Day's Night. Uh, it's not as as dignified as a movie as Hard Day's Night, but it's it's it's. I wouldn't say it's Ramone a better movie. sized. 
You like it better than Hard Day's Night? I love Hard. I love Hard Day's Night, but Hard Day's Night has a lot of downtime, and um, it has a lot of like slow songs, and and that's great. Like that's the Beatles, right? And I love the Beatles. I like the Beatles more than the Ramones. I'm not a crazy person, but I think the energy in this movie is so palpable. Yeah, they beat all. That's why they're called the Beatles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're their own eaters. Um, <laughs> I like I love Hard Day's Night. It's probably a better movie. I mean, I I just can't. This movie's just so energetic and fun that and it never slows down. It never doesn't it's have a the joke. only time it, it slows ne- down is to let you actually see the band hanging out and they are constantly throwing jokes at you. Um which is true of both the movies. I think even when Hard Day's Night slows down, it's either doing a sad song A, which I don't think this movie has any of. Or it's doing um, of just a bunch of just in the room jokes, just two characters bouncing off each other. Um, like, are they they serve Joey? Don't they try and serve Joey Ramone like wheat germ and alfalfa? So yeah, because Joey Ramone used to famously only eat pizza. Yeah. So like, it's a joke about like no Joey, <laughs> but everyone else is eating pizza. And I guess the Ramones were such bad actors that, like, they took lines away from everyone else but Joey. Like, that's why, like, the other Ramones just say stuff like, pizza. Like, they had a lot more dialogue, and they literally couldn't deliver it, even in a way that would be acceptable for a band delivery. Yeah. Um, so, they just kind of, like, they dumbed it down. Well, I mean, even more, but that works. Like, it shows in their music videos, too. I mean, like, um, fucking, um, what's the uh, Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight Tonight? Joey is the lead, the protagonist in that video. The, there's no roles left for the other guys. Like, cl- clearly they liked the idea of Joey talking to people and the rest of them not. Yeah, and Joey's pretty bad in this movie. Where the Beatles are really good actors, for example. Yeah. And Hard Day's Night. Weirdly good actors. Like, well, I think all English people yeah. are. Yeah. I, they're, they're really bad actors, but it doesn't matter because they use them so, like, perfectly to just be, like, a little bit of a – almost like a force of nature that just kind of marches through the movie uh, in support of uh, Riff and her friends. Do you agree with me that the best part in the movie is, is when they're playing Do You Want to Dance and just filling that hallway? Because I feel yeah, like – yeah. There's a lot I took, of- like I wanted to jump up and like like I was at a concert and like slap high five to a stranger next to me because I'm so happy they are like doing this and giving like you know osmosising so much energy into the crowd that you like it's like you just did a bunch of coke or something you're like yeah. Ah, ah! like yeah, yeah it's great I'm so good side note in terms of uh, drugs isn't it weird when they're entering the Ramones show and then they're kicking out people the bouncer is kicking out people for being stoned why is that in the movie <laughs> i think it's a joke it's so weird it's it's yeah I, I like didn't get the tone of the joke and i was like wait are they not letting people in the jokes there's that it's it's it is definitely a it's such a joe dante joke too it's like you know whoa 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 drugs at this rock and roll show in the 70s get out of here pal like the idea that the the ramones are very concerned about enforcing marijuana statues is is funny oh yeah and and that's also when a full-sized mouse gets uh rejected from the show yeah Um, he didn't bring headphones that that mouse gag it starts out ridiculous, and you're like, okay that's funny that's dumb but the idea that like when a mouse they did testing on laboratory mice and when they're exposed to rock and roll music, they start smoking cigarettes. <laughs> and uh, 
and wear leather jackets because and that's when Paul Bartel's like, oh, you're insane. You have all these diagrams and pictures of these mice that you've dressed up in leather jackets and cigarettes. And then it's like, also, if you play it too loud, they explode. And then she like gleefully makes a mouse explode. And you're like, that's funny. She's psycho. That's what the, that moment is telling us. And then at the rock concert, a my a mouse, uh, like a person mouse. I don't know, like a biker Mike, bike biker mice from Mars. Man, mm-hmm. uh, is there in full costume? Or, except it is a like mouse. things went very bad for Stuart Little. Yeah, but like it's it's I, I don't even know how to describe it. Like I don't know. It's like a it's a it's a man in a mouse outfit, but you're not like. You're not supposed to th- know there's a man. You're not supposed to think there's a man under there. Not because it's a trick. I'm not explaining this well, but it's like a human-sized mouse. Okay. And he's wearing a leather jacket. You could have like, a lot of time with the human-sized mouse. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. All right. So, hold I know on. The-, the mouse is about <laughs> man height. Conceptually. But hold on. Hold on. It's not a man. <laughs> the mouse looks like a mouse Look, it's we're, we're, near, we're near the end of this and uh <laughs> I, I i went with uh the most confusing way to describe uh, a human-sized mouse which is a mouse that you're not supposed to know is a mouse uh, or there's a, a secret mouse, a mouse. If you will yeah i've done too much marijuana clearly <laughs> because i'm seeing the inside i know it's a man in there like the movie's trying to tell me that it's a it's a mouse i know that's a man i've seen mice man you can't you can't tell me that's a real mouse. So, and the, the the he gets he doesn't get let in because he doesn't have headphones, and we've had too many mice exploding at our at our shows. And there is a mouse in the that they do let in who brought his headphones and his earmuffs so that he doesn't explode. And then they do the joke again, where when all the parents rush to the school, uh, the mom mouse also rushes to find out what happened to her children who were the lab rats. At the school, and she's very active with the other parents, wondering what's happened to their kids. Unfortunately, her kids have obviously exploded. But it's uh, it's great. It's it's great. uh, Pretty sad. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have too much else to talk about for this movie, except it's on Amazon Prime. And it's a prime time to watch it. It's prime time. And actually, you should definitely watch it on Prime because it's one of those things where, oh, no, you can rent it and buy it on Amazon now. For a while, the only way to watch it was Blu-ray. Or, like, rent the DVD from Netflix. Um, and that sucked. Uh, I had no problem buying it because I'm going to watch this a million times in my life. Because this movie's done a job on me. I'm a teenage Labata fan of this movie. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't I wasn't actually – when I first started watching this, I, I wasn't actually that into it because it's not that great looking in terms of, like, just how it's aged – it's uh, it was a sex comedy apparently at the beginning. Like it, it just didn't look like my cup of tea. And also like kind of at the point where I'm, uh, I'm in my life where I'm like, you know, the youthful rebellion of rock music has kind of passed me. But as the movie went on, I started getting attached to the specific characters, mostly PJ Souls. I found myself swept up in its youthful energy. And so I will say you should definitely check this out. It is like eighty yeah. something minutes. It is a live wire. And if you have even a passing interest in the Ramones, this is as close as the Ramones got to make a, a Hard Day's Night. So definitely check it out. Yeah. And they didn't even get a chance to make a help because they made a rock and roll high school forever with Corey Feldman. But that is about Corey Feldman's band in that movie. 
No Ramones. I've never seen it. I read a Wikipedia summary. It's um, the Ramones because there's no Ramones. It's the it's the first R- R- Ramones. It's the Namones. It's the uh, the Namones. The Ramones. <laughs> that didn't work. What's, what's another way to say no that you've heard in your travels that we could throw in there? <laughs> it's the Ramones. Not. The thing, is, the thing is, no works in a lot of languages. Ramones. The. 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 Good night. No, we have other stuff. You can't yeah, just, we do. You can't bail out that quickly. <laughs> like, you're right. If you're like, oh. They bail out when they get to the awkward stuff where they don't know what to say. 100% right. That's where we were. The problem is we have more business. <laughs> so, like, Peter, your reflexes kicked in. Like, we, your reflexes. Also, your acid reflux kicked in. Your reflexes kicked in. Like, exactly as we've trained. You get awkward. Bail out as quickly as possible. You did your training. I'm proud of you. We just have to go back and do some work. Okay. But, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Aaron, thank you so much for pushing to have this on. Because at first I was very weary. Even from the trailer, I was like, this looks like everything I don't want to watch. And I ended up really enjoying it. And It's it a does- dissolved movie of the week. I should have that article like see it's good it's good um so contested mother approved the mother is scott tobias uh um, proven rock and roll wins in the end togar loses as does guacamole uve bowl gary cole quatramazole i'm not doing the whole fucking list would you um, yeah please don't <laughs> would you would you say that um this podcast was saved by rock and roll yeah rock and roll yeah, this podcast was saved. Despite by- all the... Oh, okay, sorry. sorry. Oh. It's a different rock and roll song, but it's called rock and roll. Um, Rock, 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 rock and roll podcast. Rock, 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 Yeah, rock, why didn't rock. we do that earlier? Mm. I don't care what the people say. They say stop doing the podcast. <laughs> rock, rock, rock and roll podcast. Because <laughs> they say that's not where they want to be. Rock, rock, rock and roll podcast. I'm just gonna record a podcast. <laughs> rock, rock, rock and roll podcast. Yeah, rock, 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 rock and roll podcast. Um, there's yeah, a we lot of, more. There's a lot of rock and roll high school in the movie, isn't there? There's they they play the song quite a bit for a song that's ninety percent. Well, rock, they say rock, rock and they roll do a they do they do a PJ Souls version. Yeah, and then they do a Ramones version, and then a PJ Harvey version. Yep, and then they do a Harvey Rabbit. Hmm. And then, uh, like, well, I, guess, I don't know if that was his last name in Harvey. I guess Harvey the Rabbit would be more appropriate. I don't think his uh, last name is Rabbit. Har- which is Harvey a giant Will imaginary rabbit. rabbit that talked to Jimmy Stewart. Rock and, rock and roll high school. Oh, we, uh, yeah, we have one more Joe Dante movie. The big one. Like, this is this is the Joe Dante movie. It, it feels best Grimm's to end two. the month with this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we didn't really know. Well, originally, it wasn't going to because of some scheduling stuff. So thank you to our guest, Hayden, by the way. Not not all the other ways we mispronounced it. I'm so sorry. By the uh, way, pronounce his name correctly, Aaron. Yeah. Um, sorry, I Aaron, just, for the audience's benefit, Aaron was spelled E-R-R-I-N apostrophe. In that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I, I need some comeuppance. Because we recorded too many saying it incorrectly, which is funny because, by the way, is the best pronunciation of it. Although I'm assuming it has been a somewhat of a albatross around your neck the entire your entire life. But uh, by people saying, by the way, and then going, eh, eh, 
And this huh? month we so, already did the moron Coxkey thing, so you're just joining the club. Yeah, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about how that affected your life, uh, how how much you relate to the Red Hot Chili Peppers album, by the way. And uh, but you're gonna be talking about our favorite. I think it's is it both of our favorite Joe Dante movies? Peter? It's not my favorite, but it's up there. What's your favorite? Probably Are we gonna talk about the next week. Probably Gremlins, Burbies, and uh, Grammys too. Gotcha. Um, yeah, no, Gremlins 2 is by far. It's one of my favorite movies. It is my favorite Joe Dante If movie. you ask the Gremlins, um, Gremlins 2 is number one. Yeah, they would definitely say that. Uh, because they're much more active in talking to the audience in Gremlins 2. Yeah. So it's really the only way to ask them. Because if you ask them in Gremlins 1, they're like, hey, we're in a movie. Gremlins 2, they will give you a lecture about it. Somebody uh, tell this asshole to stop talking to the screen. Are you talking to me specifically? <laughs> No, I am talking. I am talking to a screen. Uh, yeah, so th- we're we're gonna end. We're gonna end the month with that, and we're very excited. And then, uh, yeah, we'll talk about next next month, next week, next month, next week. Uh, Aaron, I'm looking very much forward to this month coming to a close because we can get to Kremlins too. But I don't want to say goodbye to Joe Dante. I want to the Dante. Don't don't worry. I I imagine that. I mean, we have already like slated Piranha in a month. We have the Howling in a month. Like, I'm sure we'll find stuff for like Small Soldiers. I I'd be uh, Explorers. I know we have a month for. I I think that um, if you're worried that you're about to have Joe Dante less, mm-hmm. you're about to have Joe Dante, which is a <laughs> celebratory sound at the idea of more Joe Dante mm-hmm. after this month. And I think that works. We we've recorded recently and enough that we have our rhythm just back. We're doing great. It, it makes me wonder why we don't have a guest this week, and the answer is because we spared them of, the, of this horror. They uh, they've been edited out of the episode at their request. Uh, we had to reshoot the whole thing. This is like solo. Um, our guest is like Philip and. I guess it's probably not Lord Miller. Probably one of their first names is Philip. Our guest is like Lord and Miller, and they left. They're like you, you. This is nonsense. Mm-hmm. That's how it happened, right? <laughs> rock, 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 rock and roll podcast. Bye, 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 audience. Bye, Forever. bye, bye. bye. Oh, okay, we yeah, we we gotta go. Good night. Yeah. folks thanks for listening to we love to watch thank you so much for listening to our show and we've got just a few quick announcements for you there ain't nothing in the rule book that says that we can't do some of our own plugs baby if you'd like to talk to us uh tell us we're stupid tell us we're beautiful the quickest way to get to us is our facebook group facebook.com slash we love to watch or our website, wltwpodcast.com. Leave us a comment. Tell us we're doing a good job. Only tell us we're doing a good job. We're so sensitive. We're sensitive boys. We're soft boys. 
And uh, if you'd like to help other people, if you enjoy our show and want other people to be able to listen to this fine, fine program that we produce at no cost, we don't get any money for this. You guys have yet to pay us anything. We live and we breathe off of good reviews from iTunes. So if you would please go to iTunes, review our show, give us a positive rating. We would love to get more and more people involved in this show and this community. I know you hear it all the time, but it really does help. And we're also available, if you don't use iTunes, we're also available on Google Music, Stitcher, TuneIn. We're currently on SoundCloud. We'll take that out if SoundCloud goes away. (laughs) That's it. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned, guys, on our Facebook page especially. We're going to have a lot more polls, a lot more prizes, and a lot more uh, interaction with you guys. So keep it tuned in. Uh, Let us know what you guys are thinking. And again... Above all else, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch.